you know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. It is time for us, those weekend golf guys. I know you've been waiting with bated breath. It's finally over. The wait is over. We are here. And as Tom Petty used to say, the waiting is the hardest part. I'm John Ashton right. in the studio. He is Jeff Smith, Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor on the road. So it's going to sound like he's on the road. Live with it. Hey, guess what, folks? I'm on I the road. He's Shocker. on the road. I know. <laughs> you know what's really interesting, though? What's that? This is going to be one of the few times that you and I are actually in the same city. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're on I-65, aren't you? I am. I'm I'm outside Louisville a little bit in Shelbyville, so you won't go past me. We'll be close. We're close enough. This yes. is as close as we've been for a long time. <laughs> exactly. I have a question. Yes. But before we get on with this, I sure. have a question. Yes. Ask so me. all of our listeners that are out there waiting with bated breath, mm-hmm. I want to know, if you're on the coast, is your bait, is it like squid, calamari, is that what you're using for bait? And if you're in the Midwest, are you using like worms, red worms, worms leaf worms, big night yeah. crawlers? What, what do we got here for baited breath here, folks? You know, we used to use up in Maine. What? Clam bellies. What? Really? Yeah, we'd go to the shock house and, you know, because they, uh, they can't shuck the clams if the, the shells are cracked, right? And there's a bunch of them that are okay. that come in cracked. So we we just you know they they sell us bushels of them for like you know a penny a piece, and you just stick a little pocket knife in uh, in in the back of the shell, and it opens up, and you pull out the the clam belly, put it on a hook. I tell right. you, and haddock and mackerel, they they love those things. Oh, they really? Oh yeah, ah. yeah. How big a piece do you have to use? Just the like, yeah, just the, the whole thing. Just put it on there because it's, you know, it's kind of slimy and yucky. You don't want to cut it up? No, we just use the whole thing. Just put the hook in the shell and just pull the whole thing out. Just by, go. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I found out something else interesting, man. You're, I know you're a college basketball fan. Well, I am. I like at least it. you're an IU fan. But, but that's, well, that's right, because that's college basketball. It, it is indeed. Do you know the the top Six schools by appearances in the eight AP men's college basketball poll since its inception. No, we're talking North Carolina and Duke, of course. Okay. Yeah, UC- makes sense. UCLA and Kansas. Yeah, and then yep. Kentucky and Louisville. Really? Yeah, those are the top six schools. Now, here's something that that's earth shattering. Seems and so interesting. wrong. Seems so wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Bobby Knight hasn't been at IU for quite a while. Okay, so. he has not. But we got, we got, we got his protege, Mike Woodson, yeah. who's reviving things here. Yep, yep, yep. First time in history, though. First time in the eighty-seven-year history of the AP football poll. All six right. of those basketball schools are ranked. In the top twenty-five football poll. Yeah, can you believe? Look, the, who's the biggest surprise to you in that six this year? Uh, Duke. Duke. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, in order, like, K- Kentucky. Kentucky's twenty-four. Kansas is twenty-three. Uh, Duke is seventeen. Louisville is fourteenth, and North Carolina is twelfth. 
in football poll. Yeah, I. That's a little crazy. <laughs> it is indeed. But Duke is just like, wait a second, what yeah. happened to there? I know, I know. They don't even recruit people to play football very much. You know? I mean, that's literally almost like saying, you know, IU football is something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because last week you didn't even know they had a football team. So there no. you go. As a matter of fact, if they don't have one and they're going to go up to Michigan, you know, that cluster of guys they grabbed from campus, they're going to go up to the big house in Michigan and get big housed in about the first quarter. <laughs> I saw a couple of frat guys playing football in the front yard, throwing a ball around like, and said, hey, let's go grab that guy. <laughs> hey, put some pads on, dude. That's Get right. rid of the flag football stuff. Throw some pads on. We got some cream and crimson colored helmets for you. Let's go. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, though. Other than Wake Forest and maybe Sanford because of uh, – uh, Stanford, rather, because of uh, Stanford, Tiger. Yeah. But are there, are there any schools that are considered golf schools? Yeah, come on. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Arizona, Arizona State. Okay. Uh, Southern Cal, San Diego. I mean, I, look, we can just roll on, right? Okay. There's tons of them. Okay. I was just asking because, you know, right. there's, there's no there's no college Herman. golf poll, you know? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, they're, they're not that they publish in Sports Illustrated. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> not that anyone really cares about, I'm afraid. Right. Although it's getting more more and more popular. I mean, the, the the audience for the college golf playoffs on ESPN are getting higher and higher every year. They are. Yeah, they are. Right. Because it's pretty exciting stuff because they know that these cats, they're soon to watch these guys on TV. Yeah. You know, yep. Texas, all these places that are that are always up there. It's exciting stuff. You know, and I'm got, sorry I missed it out there. The the corn furry tour finals, you know, where twenty five guys get their PGA tour card. Yeah, just down the road from Louisville and uh, French Lick and and uh, you know Evansville ish Indiana. No, uh, was it this Victoria year? Was National? It, this year it was at French Lick. Uh, no, it was not. Next year, it French at, Lick. It might be next year, but this year was at Victoria National. And, yeah. And uh, but no, it wasn't a French lick this year. Okay, Matter of fact, well. there was a little bit of controversy at the end, where there's a dude on the 15th hole. When, normally, we don't talk about professional golf here, folks, but this one's worth it because this one goes right to the "I'm slapping on my I hate the USGA" hat. Right. Yet again. Yes. Okay, so Corn Ferry Tour Finals Tour Championship. Dude's about to get his card. His PJ Tour card plays well enough. 15th hole, he's on television. So he gets to lift clean in place, places his ball. The thing rolls toward the hole. It's not allowed to do that. You get to go do it again, right? Right. And then when it rolls forward again, because it's on a downslope, um, then you place it. Well, here's a guy that doesn't drop it there a second time and let it roll forward. He just places it. So the dude missed the second drop. Is that the only thing you're saying? That's that's what he didn't do? Yeah, he just didn't do the second drop. And this is where it just makes me insane, right? Because there's no reason in the world for this second drop to have to exist anyway, right? Yeah. This guy didn't do anything malicious. It's sitting out there. I mean, the, the guy puts his ball exactly where it, it's going to wind up having to be placed, Anyway, and common sense says, let it be. But no, we are dealing with the blue blazers of the USGA. 
now, how much money has it just cost this dude is uncalculatable. Yep. I feel sorry for him. You know, yeah. he did. He went about it, the procedure. He missed one little blip and they go, oh, well, because that's protecting the field. Not in this case. No. It's not. No, one, one might use the term capricious and arbitrary. Yes. So this is going to be one of those instances where the USGA goes, geez, eggs on our face yet again. Yeah. Let's go now change the rule to make it less ridiculous. Yeah. This dude did not gain any advantage at all in any way, shape, or form. It didn't try to get an advantage. It's all caught on TV. It's not like he was doing something that was completely malicious or get some sort of lie advantage whatsoever. Was there a rule official there with him or was it? There was a rules official in the group. Okay. And they didn't stop him and make him do it right. They waited because it was on television that means some yay who watched on television picked up the phone yeah. and went, hey, 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 I'm Johnny on the spot. I'm the gotcha guy rules official. Come on. You're just wrecking somebody's life when he didn't do anything at all malicious. Nothing gained him an advantage. And now, all of a sudden, this guy's tortured for another year of not making PGA tour endorsements and money and contracts and the chance to play for the big dollars and all that, because some Nimrod decided that it was a good idea to pick up the phone and go, Oh, I think I just saw something on TV (laughs) because the USGA makes some stupid rule like that. I just, the whole thing just makes me want to puke. Worse than the USGA being a stickler for rules that make no difference are the idiots, the jerks, the Karens, whatever you want to call them, that sit home and make those phone calls. First off, how do you know who the hell to call? This one may have been a rules official that was like on site, but in charge of watching everything that he saw on television. Oh, okay. This is another thing that makes me absolutely go crazy. What if it's a guy who's not being televised? With the same thing, is the field being protected at that point by somebody, anybody? No. We wouldn't know if it was and was not. Nobody would ever know. It makes me insane about this rules calling of rules violation, perceived rules violation being called by an official in the booth or the truck or the wherever they are, or some yahoo sitting there popping open a PBR on his lazy boy. Come on. Because I was watching the National League Division Series the other day, and I thought a guy was out at first base, and I tried to call somebody because they called him safe, and um, nobody picked up the phone. So there you go. Do they post the number like on every golf <laughs> televised broadcast? <laughs> 1-800-RUIN-MY-WORLD. <laughs> Whatever that is. Okay. Let's go wreck somebody's day. That's like the sheriff sitting on the side of the road with the speed trap going, I'm about to wreck somebody's day. (laughs) Y'all know you were doing 66. Y'all know the speed limit was 65. What are you doing, boy? Uh, Yeah. This is is, um, just today's pontification uh, against the stupid rules of the USGA. We've got some positive stuff that's going to help your golf game when we come right back. And we are coming right back. You do, too. We are those weekend golf guys.
If you're fed up with your credit card's high interest rates and your balances are so out of control that they never seem to go down, one call to Consolidated Credit can get the relief you need. Consolidated Credit has helped over 6 million people with credit card debt, and their certified credit counselors are ready to help you. They can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast without destroying your credit. The program works, and the consultation is free. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800 800- 214-3104 800-214-3104 That's 800-214-3104 Consolidated Credit Solutions, Inc. 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33313 Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation Maryland DM 1492 Oregon DM 80092 Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation Commission License Number DC83 Service may adversely affect the individual's credit Non-payment of debt may lead to additional finance charges or collections activity including legal action not a loan company you want to know how great a golf instructor Jeff Smith really is? Just go to jeffsmithgolfinstruction.com. Check out the information there. Okay, we are back as threatened. We are those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. Still on the road. I'm still in the studio. If you listen to um, Arnold Palmer, the easiest way to lower your score is get a pencil with an eraser. <laughs> yeah you know i see guys doing it with just a second scorecard they get the one they're going to write on and then they got the other one that they're going to write something different on and turn it into the handicap computer <laughs> right. or sit at the bar and go oh no it's right here boys <laughs> That's it. yeah they got one laying right on top of the other right i was playing golf on sunday yeah and i gotta tell you man that when you can chip you can score so much better <laughs> when you listen to Jeff Smith's techniques on how to chip and and get the ball close from the fringe or you know just off the green not only do you play better you score better but the guys you're playing with go how the hell did you do that right which is probably the best part of it all it is kind of fun, right? To get that reaction. It's a personal pride kind of feeling, not only when you hit that shot clean and crisp and perfect, pure, and it gets close or maybe even falls over the lip of the cup into the hole. Who knows? Right. But that feeling you get from your playing partners looking at you in in either amazement or like, oh, yeah. John can actually do this. That's it. It's going to be one of those days, huh? Yeah. <laughs> He's on fire, folks. Look yeah. out. Yeah. He doesn't have to use that second scorecard. He's using the first one. <laughs> but it makes it so much easier, man, for putting. It's just, yeah. You just seem to be a lot more confident putting if if you're closer. You know, because if you, if you skull a chip, uh, you know, run it across the green, if if you hit it short and you're still, you know, 20 feet away with the putt, first off, you're not confident in the putt. Second off is you're you're ticked off because you blew it. You know you could have done it better. Or you should have done it better. However, and if you yeah. know you if you don't know you could have done it better, JeffSmithGolfInstruction.com. Check it out. But it's just it's just the short game, which is the the place where you score is much better when you can chip and putt correctly. You know, 
I'm amazed at how few people, we've done this so many times on this show, but how few people value the short game shots. They don't want to practice them. Ah, it just seems easy. It's short. You know, I want to practice the driver, you know, the deal, right? right. But the people who actually get good to great at short game shots, they score. Yep. And not only do they score better, but their confidence level is so high. It even makes the iron shots from the fairway and from the rough side of the fairway like they're nothing because they're like, yeah, I'm going to get it up and down. Yeah. That one shot, you know, the third one of the hole a lot, getting mm -hmm. it close to the hole. Yep. Sure makes the fourth one easy. Yeah. It sure makes the second one less stressful. Indeed it do. That's the whole thing. You show me somebody who works at their short game, and I'll show you a confident golfer. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I, I get I get so after dealing with you for so many years, I still get so surprised when I go to the golf course and all of the bays at the practice range are taken up with guys smacking their driver. Yeah, and and the practice green is empty. Yeah. It's, it's it's a waste of facilities, actually. The chipping area, the pitching area, the greenside bunker, and the putting green, you'll see those things with a bunch of people on them. The, the good players gravitate to the things they know that make them good. It's, it's just that simple. You know, you deal with tournament players, college kids, and high school kids, and anybody who wants to really, truly compete you know guys who want to play in the member guest and don't want to be embarrassed and and guys who want to go play in their club championship and senior club championship and they, they want to have a chance to win their flight or win the whole thing or whatever they're going to start working on the putting and chipping yep yeah because that's you know you you see how it always turns into okay i got something coming up i'm under the gun got to do it yeah you know because look at it this way guys if you Let's say you you blow a drive, all right? You you hit it on the heel, you hit it on the toe, you hit it, you know, whatever, and it it doesn't go more than three quarters of what you normally hit. So what does that mean? Does that mean that you you have a problem with your second shot? No, it means you just use a different club for your second shot. You know, if you're not at 150 yeah. yards, you don't pull out your seven iron. Maybe you pull out a five iron, or maybe give a five wood or something. It only means that you just use a different club for your second shot. You blow a chip. It's the same club you're using on the green. It's your putter, but you just have a much more difficult putt now. Yeah. And then they'll blame their putter. Yeah. I don't know. I three putted. Really? Yeah. Why? Because your chip only went five feet and you wound up with a 35 foot putt. That's right. To begin with. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know. I mean, it's, it's just that way that golfers think so improperly sometimes like, well, wait a minute. If I didn't hit that drive poorly, I would have had an eight iron in my hand instead of the six iron in my hand. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I'm going to score better. Yes. 
you know, these guys who won't practice around the green, you know, it's like, look, your score can be better. I can go drop randomly to say within 20 yards of the green and defy you to get it up and down 10 times out of 20. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The good player can get it up and down half of that time. Yeah. The great player can get it up and down 75% of the time. But so many of the people that I talk to, they think they can get it up and down half the time and then get it up and down like 20% of the time. Right. Like, come on, folks. It just isn't the sexy part, right? They all want to go, oh, I want to hit my driver better. Okay. That doesn't guarantee you spit because that eight iron that's in your hand doesn't mean it's going to be on the green within 10 feet anyway. No. You still got to do something with it. So if you're going to work on score, folks, you got to think of some simple statistics. Simple. It's your proximity to the hole in regulation that tells you whether you're good enough at tee to green game. And then it's what happens from there. Right. So if you could sit there and go, hey, my proximity to the hole in regulation is 25 yards but yet you're still out there shooting 95. If you're out there working on your ball strike and you're working on the wrong thing because you're close enough anyway. Okay. So you should be working on specifically on, on short game. Yeah. I mean, if you're good enough, John, right now, the average golfer, all right, the average Joe, and he could say, all right, my average distance from the, flag is 25 yards in regulation okay i say go work on your short game at that moment okay because could you imagine the difference between getting it up and down half the time literally 50 percent of the time versus not even close how many strokes are you saving oh you'd you'd say a zillion yes a zillion And that's the thing that people don't want to, they don't want to admit. Just seems like, oh, I don't know, wedges. It just seems so easy. Really? Then get it closer and prove it to me. Yeah, it looks easy, but it's not. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's just a layup. I want to shoot three pointers. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's just a little dump off pass to the fullback. I want to chuck it downfield. That's it. Yeah. I want the sexy okay. shots. Yeah. It ain't going to okay. happen, people. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Right. Um, like, look, be good at something. Make yeah. it the short game. Yeah. Because that's going to that's gonna shave strokes. And and a z- it's not, let's not exaggerate either. It's not a zillion strokes in one round. And for most of us, it would take two or three rounds to save a zillion strokes. But anyhow. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back with more stroke-saving advice. <laughs> Hang out. We are those weekend golf guys. Hey, we have a few extra seconds together here before we have to take a a break for real. So let me just tell you about a little special intimate gathering we're putting together specifically for business to business salespeople. If you would like to learn how to use golf better, more effectively, to build trust quickly, to eliminate cold calling, to make a lot more money. It's absolutely free. We invite you to come and listen to Jeff and I because a lot of times you don't feel confident enough in your game to play with customers. Jeff can fix that. Just go to facebook.com slash golf guys. Send us a direct message. Leave us your email. We will send you an invitation. 
This week on The Approach Shot. Comedian Jeff Allen talks about trading one addiction for another. Switched over from alcoholic to golf. It's just as <laughs> aggravating, just as expensive, but it's it's legal. And I don't know what to, when, my, when I drive worse, after a 12-pack of beer or after shooting 85. <laughs> <laughs> Download an episode or two of The Approach Shot today. Yeah, because I've screamed out of a few parking lots in my day from the golf course. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and find us on the web at ApproachShot.net. If you're one of those companies that's stayed open during COVID, I have some great news for you. Government funds are available to reward companies who stayed open during that challenging time. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. Your hard work to stay open could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. You heard that right. Up to $26,000 per employee. This program is complicated, but nobody knows more about it than the tax experts at refundsasap.com. You pay nothing up front. They do all the work. Then they share a percentage of the cash they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans. If you have five or more employees, let refundsasap.com help you get up to $26,000 per employee. Visit refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. Refundsasap.com. Well, of course, we have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash golf guys. Go there and follow us. Like us, please. And it's us. We are back those weekend. Golf guys, John Ashton here, Jeff Smith there. We're talking about saving strokes, lowering your score without cheating. Although, if you know, <laughs> cheating is much easier and you don't have to practice that. You do have to practice not getting caught at it, though. So, well, that's the thing, you know, it's, it's you know, you look, the easiest way to not get caught at cheating is just buy a six pack for your buddies. <laughs> and, you know, it's just it. Right. Here you go. I'm going to do what I want today. That's it. You got your beer. <laughs> you you drink, pay no attention to the man with the pencil in his hand. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, seriously, though, in, in this thought about how do I go about practicing, learn to make it entertaining for yourself. Challenge yourself. Get a short game shot. See where it goes. Try to get the next one closer. Try to get the one after that closer. Try to get the one after that closer. Be creative so you don't get bored. Go practice your golf game with a buddy. If you don't have time to play nine holes, okay, fine. Go to the golf course and go have a game. Create a short game game. And all of a sudden, oh, well, that didn't take a lot of time because pretty clearly the short game area is wide open because nobody's out there. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So now all of a sudden, you can go play an 18-hole par two up and down game with your buddy and really have a good time doing it and challenge yourself with different clubs and say, okay, we're going to play all 18 this time with this wedge and a putter. And then we're going to try that other club and a putter and this other club and a putter. And the, go- and the game is to be randomized. Somebody gets one and whoever wins the hole of who gets it up and down, the winner gets to throw the ball off the green into yet the new random place and go get it up and down from there in the contest. And then you just play this game to 10, you know, with one club. And then you play another game to 10 with the other club. And whoever gets to 10 first, it's pretty simple. 
Yeah. Right. But there's creativity in it. There's fun in it. And it doesn't take a whole heck of a lot of time. But man, it really makes you better. You just never know, folks. But make it so that you can decide, okay, this is a real part of my game. And since I don't have a lot of time, I'm going to go spend it doing this piece and getting better. I don't even have to work up a sweat. Matter of fact, I can work on short game shots. I'm still in my work clothes. I'm just stopping off. I got an hour. I want to go to the golf course, but you know, I'm just going to go do that. Instead of just spending it doing putting only, work on chipping and pitching and putting by doing this game. And next thing you know, you're in a real live competitive situation. That's exactly like the one that you're on the golf course. It's an up and down game, just like it is on the golf course. It's actually kind of fun. Anecdotal evidence to said idea. I was playing yep. out at Fuzzy Zeller's place last year. They hooked us up with a with an older dude. And when I say older dude, you know the dude had to be ancient, okay? You're saying older dude. That's different than me saying older dude. Exactly. Or different than a 20-year-old saying older dude. <laughs> right? And he was one of those guys, man, that, you know, he didn't hit anything long, but it was straight down the middle every time. And he'd go, you know, driver straight down the middle about, you know, 180 and then get a, a, a hybrid and go straight down the middle about 160. And he was never on the green in regulation, but he had a short game that would not quit. And I don't think he was ever more than four feet away from the pin after his chip or pitch. And he was parring everything. It was very frustrating yeah. because we were hitting great shots, but we couldn't sink a thing. We couldn't score for for anything. So you got a lesson in what golf is. Yeah. Not the flash, baby. That's it's right. The substance. That's right. <laughs> it's the substance, right? I'm going to get another one of my buddies on. We've had him on before, just kind of recently, actually. I'm going to get Scotty Monroe on the show again. Scotty's good with the flash, but when he's got a golf club in his hand, he's good with the substance. Okay. Oh, yeah. We're going to get him on. He's played, he played all over the world, and uh, he's, he's played some pretty high-level golf. I'm going to get him on the show, and we're going to talk about flash versus substance. Okay. That sounds cool. Okay, so so you've you've practiced, you've played the games, you've gone to the the practice green after work a couple of days, and you seem to have things you know down. So you're you're closer on the green, but let's let's talk about some putting techniques, not not practicing putting because we've talked about ways to practice putting over and over and over and over again. For, for people who can't quite grasp the concept, how does that aim point thing work that you teach, man? Oh, the green reading. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's let's understand a couple things about it in in a big picture view. Your big goal is to find out where the ball is going to break, how much the ball is going to break, and what directions are going to break. Right. Mm-hmm. So so it's like okay. So where in this putt is it really going to do something? And the answer is in the turf on the green itself it's not it's it's not anything more than the tilt of the the slope itself if there's not a lot of tilt it doesn't break a lot so we don't have to deal with that but what we what we do is we have to deal with ones that are really going to move our ball We've all heard about the thought about, oh, I hit it too hard. I hit it through the break. Yeah. You're already on the right track when you have that understanding. 
that there was something there and your ball was just going too fast so it didn't get affected. There, therein lies the big mental secret. What speed should the ball be going so that it stops in the hole or right at it, right? And then how much break will it take? So your job here is to kind of figure out what is that speed? And the answer is dying in the hole kind of speed, mm-hmm. you know, would go about a foot past if it missed the hole kind of speed, right? No matter how far away it started from, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Okay. Stop the recording. Okay. All right. So here we are trying to figure out how to get it so we can tell what's going on and where. Okay. So some people go, oh, I'm going to squat down and I'm going to look at it. And then I'm going to go behind the hole. I'm going to squat down. I'm going to look at it. And most people, when they do it, can't see anything. They can't tell whether it's uphill, side hill, downhill. They can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. You got different colors of grass in every stinking green that we've got. They're all splotchy of different colors of green. So that's already some visual trickery. Then you got some that the grass is a little shiny and the grass. Is a little... So when I teach the aim point, we're going for a walk and okay. we're going to stop at a very specific place along the way. And we're going to feel what's going on to a certain degree. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to feel what's going on somewhere in that pot. I'm going to have them stop three places in the pot. And when I do that, I stop, they're going to feel it. They're going to go, okay, it's so much tilt this direction or not, or the other direction or not. Right. And then you can kind of get a handle on what's about to happen. But you know, Let's call it a 15-foot putt just to make this an easy conversation. Okay. The first five feet of a 15-foot putt, the ball is rolling pretty stinking fast, probably so fast that you would hit it through the break if there was some. Okay. Right? So that first five feet of that putt, that first third, I'm going to devalue the importance of that slope, unless it's a big one, right? I'm going to kind of devalue its influence on the putt. Okay. But when the ball starts to slow down enough, like say in that middle third of the putt, now all of a sudden, whatever's tilt that's going on in that middle third of the putt is really going to have a massive influence on what goes on and where, how it's starting to push that ball. Mm-hmm. So he's going to push it down a hill. All right, we get that. And then there's the end of that putt where the ball's already going slowly. This is where a lot of people are really mistaken. They think that it all is going to break at the end. Wait a minute, time out. That's not always the case at all. That's why we read every single putt. Sometimes the break at the end is really the same break that's happening in the middle when the ball gets influenced and starts changing its direction. And maybe by the time it gets to the end, the ball's just continuing on that, on that line. 
on that arc that it's going on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the aim point green reading method takes into account all of that. And it does it. And you, when I teach it to people, they can read it in 10 seconds. Okay. Well, when we come right back, maybe you can go in depth and explain how it takes that all into consideration because I'm confused and I'm sure other people are too. Yeah. Or maybe it's just me. Who knows? Anyhow, we are those weekend golf guys. We'll be right back. Attention Medicare recipients and anyone turning 65. Medicare has approved new benefits not included with original Medicare and older Medicare Advantage plans. You may not be getting all of the benefits you're entitled to, including in-home aids, telephone appointments with your doctors, home-delivered meals and prescriptions. These benefits may be available and it's a free call to enroll. The new plans may also offer free eyeglasses, free hearing aids, free wellness visits, and gym memberships. Call the Medicare Benefits Line now. It's easy. Call 800-683-3822. 800-683-3822. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or zero copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-683-3822. 800-683-3822. Three eight two two. We've got a fun group for you to hang out with on Facebook. It's Facebook.com League of Extraordinarily Average Golfers. All right, it is us back again for about another 10 minutes or so. Hang with us because you'll have uh, fewer strokes at the end of the next round you play if you pay attention because I'm John Ashton. He is uh, Golf Magazine Top 100 golf instructor jeff smith and he's talking about aim point green reading which seems to be very effective and he seems to be able to teach it well so where were we yeah so you know if you take a class on aim point right from a certified instructor they're going to teach you the simple techniques of how to assess what you feel where in your body or your entire body by chance can you sense the slope that you're standing on everybody can tell most people say, I can't feel anything. That's a bunch of hooey because as soon as I take somebody off the side of the green and I have them walk around the perimeter of the green, they know dang well they're on a slope. Right. It's just what they're saying is I haven't yet tried to calibrate how gentle this is. So what I do is I kind of identify different slopes in, in terms of its magnitude. Right. Mm -hmm. Some are kind of flat, some are kind of medium and some are kind of big. Well, the first one I want them to feel is a big slope. So their brain goes, ah, I can feel some slope here and it feels like a pretty decent amount. And then I'll drop them down to the medium amount of slope. Okay. And they'll go, oh, I can still feel this. I felt the big one. I feel the middle one. And then mm -hmm. I go to the one that doesn't have any tilt at all. And now they can kind of calibrate their mind and say, all right, now I got it. There's a none, there's a sum, and there's a big. All right, I got this. And then I'll turn them around and have them face the other direction on the big one, and the other direction on the medium one, or the other direction on the zero one. And right. And, and next thing you know, they're kind of getting the overall vibe that they can understand what it feels like. And that's the kind of the basis of everything is, can you feel what it is, let's say, underfoot? 
Right. I don't, I'm not saying you got to feel it with your feet, but just your body. Some people say, oh, yeah, I, I kind of sense it a little bit. My knees and my thighs and my hips and my back. OK, whatever. But they feel it. And now they're kind of getting a mental picture of where that is in their putt when they start to walk. So then we start to walk and we start to put a value to that in our heads. We say, OK, what's that number, so to speak? Let's say we're using slopes that are, say, like zero to one to two to three to four percent. Right. Mm -hmm. And on the tilt. So then we start to calibrate that sense. And then I start to get them to go, OK, let's walk the putt now. Here's the balls here, holes there. Now that you've got a sense of how much it feels like to you, now let's go get a sense of where in the putt that you feel how much. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, so that means they're starting to get a picture. Okay, the ball would roll up this slope here a little bit in order to get pushed back down that slope. And this slope's not so big, so it won't get pushed so hard. And we're like, yeah, you're getting it now. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, so now I got this understanding of what do I feel and where is that in the putt and how is that going to be influential on my ball, right? If the ball's moving pretty fast early on in the putt, that same feel didn't have the same effect as it did if it was later on in the putt. Okay. So let's say I had a medium feel tilt early in the putt, that same 15 footer we're talking about. What if that happens early, that first five feet in that putt? Well, the ball's going to be moving a little quicker over that. So I'm going to kind of devalue that and make it seem like it's not as much influence on my ball because the ball's going to be rolling fast across that. So I'm really paying more attention to what's going on and kind of valuing more uh, what's going on in that influential section of my putt. You know, that one time when the ball starts to slow down a little bit. Right. You wouldn't totally ignore that first five feet, though, would you? No, no, no. No, I'm not saying ignore. I'm okay. saying devalue. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Just checking. So let's let's just say I go, OK, that'll have I think it would have nor if this if this hill, this slope was in the middle to end of my putt, it would have a monstrous influence on it. But because it's early on the putt, it's going to have a smaller influence on my putt because the ball's going to be zipping across that going a little straighter because I would have hit it through that break. Right. But that same medium sized tilt that we're talking about, if it happens late in the putt, let's say, you know, let's say it's beyond halfway. That means the ball slowed down enough that it's going to be influential. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to start pushing on it pretty hard to move that ball pretty much. And see, that's the essence of, of aim point is to feel what's going on and understand where in the putt it's going on. And then you sit there and you go, okay, how do I then decide how much out I need to play this? It's so simple. You see people doing this all the time. You got their arms sticking out. They holding up a couple of fingers and they're closing one eye and they're looking through their fingers. And they're like looking at it. And you're like, what am I doing? Well, what they're doing is they're blocking out a little bit of vision, a little bit of cone. They're like, well, between, between the ball and the hole, I need to figure out, or I mean, the hole, the edge of the hole, and, and somewhere I got to see something and pick out something out there of where I got to start my ball because the hill's going to push it back. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, makes a lot of sense. So there's a, there's a, a simple formula. So when you go take a, an aim point class from a certified instructor, they will give you all of these things that I've just generalized and, and created for you to get it right. 
there's a whole bunch of people out there acting like they're getting it right. They're not even close. Okay. <laughs> watching stuff happen on TV. They're not even close. Yeah. They think they have the concept down, but they're probably wrong on a lot of things. But we see how they're going about it. And there's just so much bad green reading going on that they're acting like they're using Aimpoint because they're just copying somebody or they didn't get trained by a certified person, which means they didn't get the correct intel to not be wrong. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What's the difference between blocking some vision out with your fingers and plumb bobbing the hand, the, the grip of a putter? Okay. So I see people plumb bobbing all the time. Yeah. Right. And I ask them a question. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> I get a different answer all the time. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Nobody. I've not heard the same answer twice. I, I assume. So they hang it like right through the middle of the pole, like right through the middle of a of a cup. Yeah. Like a flagstick sticking out of the cup just to see if there's tilt. Yeah, they the do hole. it. To, they do it to see if the the green's the same level on either side of the shaft, don't they? Yeah, effectively. Yeah. But why don't they just look at the flagstick instead of doing this <laughs> stupid hold up the putter thing? Right. So here's here's another thing. So every putter shaft is tapered, right? Mm-hmm. Fatter up at the top, skinnier at the bottom. I ask people all the time, where, where on this shaft are you looking at? And they, they're like, I don't know. I'm like, you look through the same spot every time because it would be a different view every time if you were looking through a fatter part or a skinnier part, right? <laughs> like, oh. Uh, you, know, you know, it's yeah. it's amazing that you still have friends. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, it just cracks me up. Like, what are you doing? Are you, what? What would make you think that would be helpful? Yeah. Right. You know, and, and as a, sometimes as an instructor, you know, I, I got to kind of get to somebody and shake them out of the tree that they're in because it ain't the right tree. They're barking up the wrong tree. That's true. But again, I mean, you're talking about, about tapered shafts. What about the size of of thickness of of fingers? Is it, is a guy who's got big thick fingers going to attack the, uh, the aim point differently? Yeah, of course he is. Okay. And, that, and see, that's the beauty of when you go to a certified instructor to teach this, to, to learn this stuff, they'll tell you okay. how to do it for you. Ah, okay. Like, let's say, John, your fingers are fatter than somebody else's. You got these big knobby knuckles. <laughs> and, you know, you're going to have to maybe change how you go about this, but you're going to have to understand you and how you are going to make that adjustment. Right, right. John, just because, use one and a half fingers, man. Yeah, so. something like that, yeah. right? <laughs> use your thumb for one and a half, right? So so to one recap, half. let's just say, and we'll, we'll, we'll delve into this, you know, again, flash and substance differentiations on a, on a subsequent show. But right now, let it just suffice to say that were you to uh, want to shave strokes off your score, you should practice the short game and Jeff just gave you a great way to do it. Get a buddy and go and play that, play that game where, yeah. you know, the, the hey, everything's of, a part two. 
Yeah, par two, man. And do it. There are some courses. Find a course that's got a very extensive practice area that has some some uh, bunkers. That has some has some rough. Has a very large green with different undulations. And you will find that if you were to do that, you will have a much better score the next time you go out and play some golf. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.